This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali Mwakaneno, your usual host. So today I am sitting with Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Africa, Emma Wood-Smith, and we want to talk about trade between the UK and Africa. So this is a continuation of a conversation that Emma had in the past FVCA conference, where she was talking about progressing public policy agenda on trade and investment in Africa. Some of the things that we want to discuss is, of course, how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected business between the two regions and some of the plans that we have in place just to boost recovery between trade between the UK and Africa. Welcome, Emma. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Emma, we know that the UK is Africa's biggest trade partner. And of course, with COVID-19, I imagine that the pandemic changed trade between the two regions. How do you think the COVID-19 changed business coordination between UK and Africa? Yeah, you know, sadly, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've seen all across the world that trading levels have dropped over the last 12 months. I mean, we're just starting to see some of those numbers tick back up again as certain parts of the world, you know, we're seeing lockdown restrictions easing and economies getting back to some semblance of where they were 12, 13 months ago. But there is no doubt that global trade over the last year has declined uh, and that has affected the UK and Africa trading relationship uh, just as much as as other regions in the world. I think I'm encouraged that the numbers have have been still been relatively robust. I mean, when you compare some of the, the drops in other parts of the world, we have seen Uh, the UK-Africa trading relationship still staying strong, um, but smaller than it was, you know, 12, 13 months ago. And we've still seen some disruptions to supply chains and, uh, you know, still seeing some flights and shipments that, you know, don't exist today uh, that we were relying on, uh, you know, a year ago to move products uh, between the UK and Africa. Um, But as I say, I think fundamentally, uh, we've got strong long-term partnerships which really drive the trading relationship. And what we've been focused on heavily over the last year is making sure that where we've got those existing relationships between exporters, between investors, uh, that we are sustaining those uh, and making sure that they crucially maintain the jobs that, that they enable and that they support. And we're really focused on how we build back better, how we create more resilient economies uh, for the future. Uh, There's a lot of talk at the moment around shorter supply chains, more diversified supply chains. Uh, And so I think there's some really interesting conversations to be had there between Africa's uh, companies and governments in the UK about how we can do that. But look, I mean, just to give you a flavour of some of the stuff that has happened over the last year, you know, it isn't that there's sort of static silence. Um, You know, we've seen in Cairo, for example, UK company securing a terrific sustainable infrastructure project there to build a monorail to connect Cairo with New Cairo. And that has been our, our export credit agency's largest ever 
uh, infrastructure financing projects in the world. Uh, and we've seen that come through and land over the last 12 months. We're still building hospitals in Cote d'Ivoire and Zimbabwe and Zambia and, and elsewhere. Um, you know, we've got our investors who turned up in their thousands for our Africa Investment Conference in January uh, to really reinforce you know, the continued focus that we have around both trade and investment between the UK and Africa. You know, unlike last year, this year, the world in general has met a few milestones with regards to the pandemic, of course. As the disease continues, we've had developments like the vaccination, which, of course, is a major trade boost. What are some of the other infrastructures that would help, um, you know, the recovery of, you know, trade inputs, exports between the UK and Africa? Yeah, look, I think there's sort of physical infrastructure and then there's uh, there's other bits and pieces as well that that are really important. Um, you know, there is no denying that having the ability to fly direct between countries is a massive boost for trade. And we see where that happens, that you can see the trade links improving. It improves the ease of doing business. It improves the connectivity. But I think, you know, we've also seen things like the UK government's programme in East Africa, including in Kenya, Trademark East Africa, which over the last 10 years actually has done some amazing things to really reduce the time it takes, the cost involved uh, in moving products across the East African community. Uh, and some really dramatic shifts, actually, by simplifying customs procedures, improving the situation at borders and helping that way. So I think that there's some really important infrastructure there. And of course, if you take that to its next obvious level and we start talking about the African continental free trade area, then you can start to see, you know, you talked about milestones. You know, on the 1st of January, not only did the UK leave the European Union, but, you know, Africa started its trading arrangements under the continental free trade area for the first time. And that itself is a monumental step forward. So I think, you know, that as well will help to bring greater alignment about regulations and standards. Uh, hopefully we will then see improvements and, and the, in the ease of moving products across Africa to really increase intra-African trade. Uh, and I think that is also a really important part about continuing to grow Africa's economies within the global context. Uh, when I talk to UK companies, you know, they're very interested in Africa and they get even more interested when they start to realise that in the years to come, you know, not only will we be working with, you know, an East African community of 450 million people, they'll be able to move across an African continent of 1.3 billion people. And if you're a company and you're thinking about how do you scale, how do you get your product or your service to as big a customer base as possible, things like that really do matter. But other than that, I mean, like just to sort of talk about some of the other stuff we've been doing. So at our Africa Investment Summit back in January 2020, we launched an online deal room platform to connect Africa's entrepreneurs and business owners uh, with UK investors. And over the last year, we've seen some 600 million pounds worth of deals being matched on that online platform. Um, very prescient in some ways, because of course, you know, it's been so much harder to get business done, um, except virtually. And so we had already created this online virtual space to connect 
investors with investment opportunities. And so, so it's that kind of thing as well. So both the physical infrastructure of roads and ports and rails and flights and things like that, uh, with a healthy dose of ICT as well, but then uh, really ramping up the virtual side of things to bring connectivity, even if we can't physically be together. You know, once you start talking about startups, then you get me excited. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've mentioned, you know, some of the support systems with regards to sort of linking the two regions in terms of, you know, things like investments, what are other, you know, UK initiatives in Africa that promote things like transfer of skills, especially for young entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, entrepreneurs, you know, that's that's where it's at, isn't it? And and I think, you know, across my whole network in you know 21 African countries, uh, nothing gets our blood rising in a good way more than talking about entrepreneurs. And how do we support startups? How can we bring investments, more investments in from the private sector as well as the public sector to support Africa's entrepreneurs? And there are some absolutely amazing things happening all over the place. For example, I'm a a judge um, on an Africa panel, which brings Africa's engineering entrepreneurs into an incubator and providing support to not only think about starting and scaling a business, but in that engineering space. So how do we bring technology to bear? And I think when you look at where the innovation's happening, where you see changes happening, transformation coming about, it really is from Africa's entrepreneurs. And I often say to the UK business community, you've just got to come to Africa and see what's going down here because there are absolutely world-class innovations taking place. So we have, for example, a global entrepreneurship program where we bring established entrepreneurs globally to Africa to meet with some of Africa's entrepreneurs and to provide one-on-one coaching, mentoring, support and advice about how to scale those businesses, preferably from our perspective, internationalize them from a UK base. Um, And we've seen a number of those companies coming to fruition, setting up uh, in the UK and really growing over the last few years. And I think the key for me on that is that this isn't about brain drain. This is about enabling the scale of companies and access to greater opportunities for investment, which then actually feed back into, if you like, the home company back in Africa to build more jobs and sustain more jobs and and kind of create bigger companies there as well. Emma, let's let's get back to track, away from our excitement. <laughs> let's talk about Brexit a little bit. How has Brexit shaped up or changed trade between the two regions? And uh, what are we looking into post-Brexit? So look, over the last few years, we've been working really hard to transition the trading arrangements that we had when we were part of the European Union. And so on that, that momentous moment, on the 1st of January, when the UK left the European Union, We became an independent trading nation, able to set our own trade policy for the first time in decades. And so in order to prepare for that, we had negotiated with a number of uh, African governments the transition of these free trade agreements. So in sub-Saharan Africa, they're called economic partnership agreements. In North Africa, we have a number of association agreements. But essentially what they provide for is preferential trading arrangements that make it easier and cheaper for our companies to do business together. And across Africa, 
we have a number of different things. So at the most basic level, we've got what they call a generalized scheme of preferences, uh, which is for some of the lesser developed countries, uh, some of those without the same levels of per capita GDP, for example. And that gives them duty free, quota free access to the UK market for everything but weapons, basically, they call it everything but arms. And that is massive. On top of that, then, we have negotiated with 16 African governments uh, these uh, free trade arrangements, which again provides for preferential trading arrangements. Uh, And so at its most basic, what it has provided for is at least as good trading preferences as we had prior to Brexit. And in some cases that has improved the situation. And the key thing for me now is we've got all of those big chunks of paper agreed uh, between us, which is no mean feat. Um, But the really important thing is actually making use of them. And what we have seen in previous years is that you've had these preferential trading arrangements, but companies for a number of reasons haven't necessarily known about it or been able to take advantage of it. So a really big drive for us now around making sure that those deals are implemented properly and then that we utilise them. So making sure that when we've got those preferential arrangements, yeah, we're, we're making the maximum use of it. Not least because I want to see more of Africa's products on the shelves for UK consumers. And I want to see you know, much more vibrant uh, business activity between us. I'm happy you brought up the agreements, the, the bilateral agreements that the UK has with several African countries, including my own Kenya. How do you strike the balance between strengthening trade uh, with Africa as a block and balancing the bilateral trade relationships with countries like, say, Kenya? Yeah, well, look, we have the bilateral uh, relationships. And as you say, so the relationship we have with Kenya, um, we hope in time will become um, a UK East African community arrangement. Uh, and We've made it absolutely clear that we are happy to negotiate that as and when countries in the EAC are ready to do that. Uh, we hope sooner rather than later. So, so we've got you know, the bilateral stuff. Um, there's then you know, some of this regional activity and then the continental free trade area. So look, I think it's really important to work with the grain of what we have. So at a bilateral level, we've been able to make these agreements transitioned, which is fantastic. Uh, Where we can, uh, we're happy to work with regional groupings like the EAC. And as I say, as and when countries are are ready and willing to join that agreement that we currently have just with Kenya, uh, we're absolutely ready to have those conversations. But also then at the continental level, which I think is, as I said earlier, so exciting, We're supporting the African Union with some technical assistance to enable those negotiations to continue at pace so that as quickly as possible, we're able to see the reality of that free trade area coming into to fruition. So, you know, what I hope to see on the back of that is greater movement of goods across Africa and through that then a greater ability to work with UK companies. But as I say, so and part of that is that I've set up a, a new team in Accra in Ghana to work directly with the AFCFTA Secretariat team there so that we can work together right from the very beginning, provide technical assistance at that secretariat level, but also at a bilateral level to help countries understand how to engage in those negotiations and and get the best deal. Emma, off the script, you talked about uh, the interest of seeing more African goods on UK shelves. I think we can both agree that there is more opportunity to boost 
to boost exports from Africa in the UK? What are some of the steps that you think could benefit the region? It's such a great question and it's one that I battle with all the time. So so one of the things or well, some of the stuff that we do, for example, is we work across our my trade and investment offices uh, and working with some of our economic development programs to work with, let's say, smallholder farmers to figure out ways to for more smallholder farmers to produce their products, get them to market at a quality and with the assurance that is required to enter into the UK consumer market. So we've been doing some of that stuff in Zimbabwe, for example, and other countries too. But it's, you know, it's not necessarily straightforward, but I think you know, having a clear understanding about the standards required, um, building the infrastructure to get products from fields to markets with that assurance that the quality is there and that standards have been maintained, I think is key. And then of course, working with countries like Kenya to make sure that we keep the transport links free and open so that we can get Kenya's flowers into the UK and Kenya's vegetables and Kenya's tea, which let's be honest, keeps our country, keeps my country alive and in a state through drinking plenty of tea that is able to engage internationally. Last question, I promise. <laughs> In Africa, most of the countries are largely more informal sector than formal sector. And um, you'd find that women make up to, you know, 60% of um, informal sector employment in Africa. How is the UK helping in driving support to their businesses and inclusivity, especially when it comes to access to finance and health? Again, you know, it's, it's not straightforward, this. But we also know it's really important to address. And, and as you say, you know, as we're talking about building back better, building more sustainable, more resilient and more inclusive economies, you know, figuring out how we build bridges between the formal and the informal economy. How do we get more people and, as you say, particularly women into the formal economy with the protections and the support that, that often comes with that is absolutely crucial. And so you know, across the UK government, you know, for many years, we've, um, we've had programmes that work with informal workers that particularly target women in that space. And through the Commonwealth, for example, we have a programme called She Trades, which is designed specifically to bring women entrepreneurs, I'm going to call them, you know, sort of into, uh, into the, the sort of formal sector and be able to benefit from doing that. But it's not easy. And these are sometimes long term programmes because the solutions aren't straightforward. Uh, but look, I also think that technology has a really important part to play here. So, you know, we talk a lot about fintech, but, you know, that is such an empowering thing to be able to give people in the informal sector the ability to manage their finances safely and securely um, through a mobile phone. It doesn't have to be a smartphone. Uh, there are all sorts of amazing fintech apps and solutions out there. And we're seeing that really helping to uh, enable those who work in the informal economy to make that transition. Uh, and, and even if they don't make that transition, then at least to be trading more securely. Thank you so much for, for answering that. Um, I think that's actually all I had for today, unless there's something I missed out that you'd like to say. Well, look, I think the one thing I'd just like to end on is the range of opportunity that I see across Africa. And, you know, big focus at the moment, of course, around healthcare. 
uh, and making sure that we're building robust healthcare systems to protect all of us. But I also see amazing opportunities in the food production space, particularly bringing technology to bear in that and thinking about you know, better ways of creating food that, that doesn't damage our environment so much, whether that is you know, crops that need less water, uh, crops that are more resilient and resistant to disease, that sort of thing. I see education right at the very heart of supporting Africa's economic transformation and growth over the years ahead. And again, I think technology can be such an enabler here. And we've got some really exciting products in the UK that we'd really love to bring to Africa to help make sure that not only are we giving more access to quality education to Africa's children and youth, but that we're providing for lifelong learning and technical and vocational skills as well. And I think that energy underpins all of this. And where we see, you know, 600 million people across sub-Saharan Africa without secure energy provision, you know, it's absolutely imperative that we, we kind of build that energy capability. Uh, but to do so in a way that doesn't then embed a whole heap of carbon and trouble, frankly, um, for our economy, stranded assets and lots of money spent on, you know, sort of big, expensive refineries and so on that do have a finite shelf life. And so a big focus for us around renewables. And, you know, you just got to look up in the sky and see that you know, solar for Africa is, uh, is an amazing opportunity. And we're seeing countries really embrace that, including Kenya and Ethiopia, for example. So, you know, I think there's some great opportunities there to, to really embed a more sustainable, greener um, economic future for, for Africa. Thank you so much. Well, that's all I had for today. Emma, I really, really love this discussion and I look forward to engaging you in your office in further discussions on just how to improve trade um, between UK and Africa and similar topics. Brilliant. Well, I'm very passionate about it. So it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been my pleasure. Um, to our listeners, that was Her Majesty's Trade Commissioner for Africa, Emma Wade-Smith. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure.